Hello and welcome to the podcast for Patriots. I'm your host, Jim Fralick, and this is show number one. I ain't rich, but I damn sure want to be. Working like a dog all day ain't working for me. I wish I had a rich uncle that'd kick the bucket and I was sitting on a pile like Warren Buffett. I know everybody says money can't buy happiness, but it can buy me a boat. Our goal here with Podcast for Patriots is to educate, inspire, and assist military members and veterans in achieving financial wealth through real estate investing. Whether you've got no money to invest but a little time, or no time to invest but some money, then there is always a path to success, and we hope to point some of those potential paths out to you. So first off, I hope everyone had a great Veterans Day on Monday. I know I did. You veterans and military members are, of course, the key to our new podcast. Now, this podcast isn't just for military veterans, but this is America's first and only real estate investing podcast that focuses 100% on both active duty and military veterans. All my interviews will be with veterans or military members who are either actively or passively investing in real estate in a variety of manners. Of course, non-vets can learn and utilize the same wealth building strategies just as well. So to begin with today, I want to put you in my frame of mind and why I'm so blatantly patriotic and so bold as to call my podcast, The Podcast for Patriots. I mean, I'm not just focused on military veterans here, because I am one. Yeah, I've got a big head, but not that big. I actually joined the military and served this country because of my respect and gratitude for all those veterans who went before me, like my Uncle Eddie and my Uncle Jimmy and my Uncle Bob, who were all in World War II in Korea, and two of my uncles were POWs, and my father who served between Korea and Vietnam. Anyway, we were having a little internal family debate last week about NFL players kneeling during the national anthem, supposedly to protest police brutality. Now, in our family, we stand behind both the military and police because we know that 99% of them put their butts on the line for us, especially the police, day in and day out. That's regardless of race, ethnicity, background, or religion. At least that's my opinion. Now, that doesn't make cops always right, but they are generally the greatest heroes among us. So our youngest son, Jake, who played Division I football, and would never in a million years think about kneeling during our national anthem, was basically just reminding my wife, Carrie, that's Carrie with a K, K K-E-R-R-I, who has zero tolerance for such acts of disrespect. He was reminding her that there is a good reason why military members and veterans sometimes disagree on this matter, when you think they might all be one-sided, sort of like the way I think. So... He goes down to my office and he grabs this poem by Charles Province. I'm sure several of you have heard before about soldiers. It's been pinned next to my desk for the past 20 years. Now bear with me as I wrap up these Veterans Day thoughts with this, and then we'll tie it back to real estate, I promise. It is the soldier, not the reporter, who has given us freedom of press. It is the soldier, not the poet, who has given us freedom of speech. It is the soldier, not the campus organizer, 
who has given us the freedom to demonstrate. It is the soldier, not the lawyer, who has given us the right to a fair trial. It is the soldier who saluted the flag, who serves beneath the flag, and whose coffin is draped by the flag, who allows the protester to burn the flag. So, it's a powerful poem, and it's so true here in America. Now, these men and women who sign up to protect and defend our Constitution, they do so largely to protect a liberty. And in my opinion, there is no greater symbol of American liberty than private property rights. I mean, the right to private property is probably the most vital to protecting individual liberty. And of course, the right to defend that property and all of that in a free market economy. So yeah, we're talking about real estate here, people. Now, surprisingly, there are many military members who invest in real estate, and many are very successful at it. Just as many veterans have bad experiences by basically buying property where they were stationed and then renting it remotely after they move. If this isn't done with a lot of forethought and carefully, it can lead to bad results. Surprise. For anyone who is hoping otherwise, growing wealth through real estate is not risk-free. But I am convinced there is no safer or better way to grow and maintain passive wealth over time than investing in real estate. By far, and it's not even close, more wealthy people have made and maintained their wealth through real estate than any other industry for the past several hundred years. Now that brings us to our podcast first early warning signal. Early warning systems online. General quarters, general quarters, man your battle stations. This is not a drill. Repeat, this is not a drill. This week's early warning signal is brought to you by Froggy Realty, LLC, a New Hampshire-based real estate investing and property management company, where their motto is safer, cleaner, friendlier living. And yes, that's our company since this podcast just started today. Tip number one, don't just buy a home at every duty station. For someone investment-minded like me, this might not seem intuitive, but not all areas are great for rentals, and much homework must be done before considering geographic purchase areas. Do your homework. Rich Carey, that's C-A-R-E-Y, Rich Carey, He's the owner of richonmoney.com and a successful military real estate investor who owns at least 20 homes, I think, in the Montgomery, Alabama area. Anyway, Rich says this strategy is a horrible idea and you will fail 99 out of 100 times. Now, I think that might be an exaggeration, but I do agree with the three reasons he gives. You must have positive cash flow in the property. You must have a good reason to believe that the neighborhood will remain stable if not appreciate in value, and you must have a good property management company that you can trust. So it's very difficult to line up all three of those in multiple markets over time. So let's break that down a little bit in our early warning tip number one. Property management usually runs between 5 to 10% of cost. Now we're talking about single family rentals here, by the way, home rentals generally, sometimes condominiums. Um, usually 5 to 10% of the monthly rental income, and a bad manager can easily eat up all your profits due to a host of reasons, not the least of which is maintenance cost. Second is appreciation, or worse, depreciation. 
There are lists online from dozens of sources, but I'll tell you, my opinion, census.gov is one of the best places to get information about cities and neighborhoods. In terms of the local economy, trends in the neighborhoods, and other factors that determine long-term outlook for home rentals in those areas. Lastly, the 1% rule. Now, for those of you not familiar with the 1% rule, it's simply a very rough guide to your first determination on whether a single-family rental is going to be a good deal or not. This rule states that your gross monthly rental income before expenses should be equal to or greater than 1% of the purchase price. So let's say, for example, you want to buy a home for $100,000 and you want to use it as a rental. Well, then you need to make sure that your gross monthly rental income is at least 1000 So this is a rule that a lot of people go by when they're just narrowing down prospects to purchase. Now, keep in mind that $100,000, it's the all-in purchase price. So if you're buying a property and you think it's going to need $25,000 worth of work, then your all-in is $125K. Now you need to have $1,250 per month to meet that 1% rule. So some people go up as high as 2% on the rule. A lot of people fall like one and a half, but 1% is sort of tried and true. A lot of people uh, say it's good. Some people say not. You know, there are a lot more details that you have to dig into before you really make the decision to purchase um, a rental property, especially single family home. Okay, so that's our first early warning tip for you military members especially. Buy in the best market, not just where you temporarily live unless you've done your due diligence and homework. Now, back to me. Why am I here in this first introduction? You know after today, I'm just going to be doing interviews with people who are successfully out there investing in real estate. So if you're paying attention before, you've heard Froggy Realty's motto is safer, cleaner, friendlier living. That's because our long-term goal is to build our own real estate investment trust, R-E-I-T, or REIT. I didn't know what that was before. It's not important if you don't know it right now, but look it up on Google if you want to. We'll get into it down the road. Our goal is to build one that focuses on buying and holding multi-units in the B to C class neighborhood range, those middle class neighborhoods, and making those into safer, cleaner, and friendlier situations, which is better for tenants and better for investors. And I have a lot of idealistic reasons why that's important to me. Some of it might be due to my experience in a South Florida trailer park growing up, running from dogs or other certain things in the neighborhood that weren't so friendly at times. I just think that even when you're in those situations, or say you're middle class, lower middle class in your neighborhood, it's important that you and your family feel safe, comfortable, and all the things that, you know, as parents uh, we think about and as uh, hopefully uh, kids will get to experience. So, uh, yeah, and it's a win-win when you do that. You basically, these situations are known as value-add property purchases. You go in, you fix something up, you make it better, you rent it out to somebody. Maybe you get to lease with options to buy. Those are good deals that I would like to do in the future with large multi-units where people had the chance to uh, buy into a property. So they take some ownership eventually. But even when they're renting, you know, people deserve the right to, um, to live in clean, safe, and friendly environments. Currently, I'm partnered with multiple successful apartment owners and operators who have been vetted by me 
you know, examined for, do they have the same values? Do they have experience? Um, were they, are they the type of people I'd want to partner with? And then uh, I'm introducing passive investors to these partners as the deals come up, like a large one in Georgia did this week, for example. Now, I'm still building up my own street cred on the apartment investing front, because like so many of you, I still have my day job. And like my wife always says when I'm singing in the shower, don't quit your day job. Which reminds me, why real estate and me? Well, I've always been entrepreneurial-minded, side-by-side with my idealist self who wanted to serve, again in air quotes, in some way. That's what I grew up thinking about at least. So I used to think that I was going to be the attorney general someday. That's somewhat faded from my mind, especially since I didn't go to law school. But sometime before my 29th birthday, I believe it was, I decided that both writing and real estate would be my future path but that I would use my engineering background and military background to provide a stable income, which I've done for the most part, while pursuing those other passions for love of work and for passive income future. Because let's face it, we all want to work on our own terms. So around this time, I read a relatively new book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. For anyone who has never read that book, I can tell you it's a game changer. And a lot of people attested that, especially a lot of real estate investors today. One of the key takeaways, in my opinion, is the power of passive income and how essentially the game of Monopoly teaches you everything you need to know about financial success in life. Robert Kiyosaki introduces what is now the famous cash flow quadrant. Now, if you picture this quadrant, if you're not familiar with it, in the upper left-hand side is the E, capital E for employee, where most of us live in our lives. Lower left side is S for self-employed. Upper right side is a big B for business owner. And finally, the lower right, I for investor. Now, I decided back then in my late 20s that I would start moving from the E to the S to the B to the I as fast as I could because the I quadrant is the ultimate place to be for financial freedom, which ultimately most of us want to work how we want, when we want, where we want, and still have our family's needs and wants taken care of. I think most of us agree to that. So yeah, this cash flow quadrant and the ideas of passive income, which don't necessarily have to be in real estate, but they're very powerful ideas. Um, The idea of buying assets that throw off cash. That's the name of the game. Well, as I've heard a wise man once say, you can be anything you want, but you can't be everything you want, or at least not at the same time. So I've relearned this lesson many times in my life. Now, I saw an infomercial back in 1999, before my 29th birthday, and it was with a guy named Carlton Sheets, and it was a program called No Down Payment. Now, most of you have probably seen these infomercials. They always seem to have the same themes. Guys hanging out in Hawaii, they're all making bank. They all own something. They're all living large. They've broken free from their daily grinding jobs. It's always a little oversold, and this one was no different. But the fundamental thing was to find properties that cash flow and invest in them and find creative ways to acquire them. So the subtitle to that program was How to Buy Your First Home or Investment Property with No Down Payment. Now, we were living in base housing down in Massachusetts at this time. We bought the cassettes, the book, and even the coaching program, and Carrie and I were all in. 
those are sitting here on my desk right now today. I pulled them off, dusted them off, looked at them. Don't have a cassette player here to play them right now, but it's very interesting. Uh, almost 20 years ago, same information, still very valuable. It was a really good program, and it basically teaches everything you need to find and buy homes for cash flow. The focus is, again, finding buyers who agree to creative financing, then working out deals. But the key is always to make sure that a positive cash flow exists. I don't believe I heard about the 1% rule back then, but I do remember going through ads in real physical newspapers and circling homes for sale and then making calls and trying to follow up. So we narrowed down our geographic purchase areas at the time to Lowell, Massachusetts and Manchester, New Hampshire simultaneously while looking for our own place to buy or build a home because I was about to get out of the military. For less than $5,000 down, we got a seven-acre piece of land and a custom home built in Wolfboro, New Hampshire for $190,000 value. It was almost a 17-acre piece of land, but that's a longer story. Simultaneously, we, along with my brother-in-law and his wife, got a six-unit under contract in Manchester, New Hampshire for only $2,000 down. By this time, it was early to mid-2000, and I still didn't have a job lined up, and Carrie mostly stayed home and took care of the kids at that time. I was actually doing some mental health consulting. Well, we lined ourselves up with a mortgage company who approved our loan, so everything was going in a good direction at this time. Right before the close, mortgage company contacted us, says they're not licensed in New Hampshire. They thought the property was in Massachusetts. Are you kidding me? You have all the paperwork and you think that the property is in a different state than it actually is because we lived in a different state. Sad to say, we had to pull out and the seller was mad at us. He thought we were jerking him around. So we actually had to get a legal demand letter, 50 to 100 bucks, demand to get our $2,000 back. And the seller, who was also a property manager, gave us our money back. Now, I'll never forget his name because a few months later, we heard his name on the radio and he had been arrested in a landmark case for lying about lead paint in his rental units, and unfortunately a child had died. So I kind of felt like we had dodged a bullet, and I moved forward, I got a consulting job to work for the Department of Defense, and decided that having my new home, and now having arrived in the S quadrant, that bottom left quadrant of the cash flow quadrant, with Freylet Consulting, was going to be pretty good for a while. But in late 2016, I found myself where I am today. Still working in the E-Quadrant as a systems engineer for the military. And then I was like, oh yeah, I should probably get back to the I-Quadrant plan, seeing how 20 years have gone by, and my investments to date are, well, let's say subpar at the point. Being somewhat aware of crowdfunding, I thought, now wouldn't it be great if I could start raising small chunks of money to buy properties? Say, for instance, me and 99 guys pay $1,000 each for a property. $80,000 property... 20,000 rehab, start renting it out, you split the rent a hundred ways, you move to the next property, you improve the properties and the life of the tenants, you keep going to bigger and bigger properties, and everybody's happy and everybody's filthy rich. Now, wouldn't that be great? Well, that's when I discovered securities exchange commission laws put in place in 1934, along with syndication rules and a host of other things that we'll get into on other podcasts. But needless to say, some very annoying rules out there, all originally well-designed to protect consumers, I'm sure. But us normal folk can go invest up to $2,000 per year in online realty shares now since 2012. But 
there are severe limits in that regard. Now, enough about my own real estate investing journey. Now you know my background, you know my goals, and the point of this podcast. We're going to be getting down to business very soon with some valuable insight, hopefully on a weekly basis once we get rolling here. I've got military veterans lined up and a few active military members lined up. And I hope that you, like me, will see that whether you have no money to invest or a million dollars to invest, there's a lot to learn from other military members and veterans who have successfully added to their income and become full-time real estate investors. So if you want to get in touch with me, Jim Fralick, anytime, 603-515-1477, or shoot me an email at jim at froggyrealty.com, and keep an eye out for ongoing changes to the podcastforpatriots.com website. Again, that's the number four in between podcast and patriots. I hope you like our logo designs by Ben Ross of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Feel free to leave us a review as we get these rolling. Let me know how we can improve the show. I'm proud to be your host. I'm privileged to have served, and I'm grateful for all your sacrifices. Until next time. Because the flag still stands for freedom, and they can't take that away. There ain't no doubt I love this land